You're listening to Music Tectonics. Hey everyone, welcome to Music Tectonics, the podcast that goes beneath the surface of music and tech to check out what all that rumbling down there is about. I'm your host for this episode, Trister Neuer Jaeger, Director of Strategy at Rock, Paper, Scissors, the music tech PR firm. I'm really excited to get to talk today to Brian Schmidt, the Global Executive Creative Director at Icon Technology Studios. Formerly of Apple and Nike, Schmidt and his team at Icon have recently worked on a wide range of projects related directly and indirectly to current music tech conversations. They've arranged huge drops of NFTs, for example, that involve deep research and amazing design. Schmidt and the Icon team created 100,000 unique Matrix NFTs late last year. They were all characters from the film's universe with hundreds of custom designed clothing items and accessories. And I have to say, some of those items I wish I could wear. Anyway, you might say, okay, that's cool, but what does that really have to do with music? Well, the era of Web3 is also the era of the synesthete, I would argue, as media merge and images become essential to music experiences. If we're going to talk about music NFTs or VR or AR or the metaverse or any of that stuff, we really need to talk about what they can and should look like and how that impacts us as creators, fans, and general tech folks. Brian, thanks so much for joining me today. Nice to be with you. So tell me a little bit about your role at Icon and in general what Icon does. Well, I'm the Global Executive Creative Director, which means I'm helping all of our different creative teams, um, which are really one team with our engineering team and our project management teams. So we're taking on projects end to end, whether they're a music technology thing or something else in entertainment space. And we have experts that are our different domain experts, um, technology people, creative people, people who um, kind of just think of ideas all day. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're, we're all working together. Um, we have teams really all around the world. Um, amazing team out of Australia, teams in the Detroit, Ann Arbor area, um, New York City, and um, LA, which is where I'm based. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, my job is really about everyone working together and um, with our different partners you know, thinking about the end user, what's the best experience and how can we take all of our knowledge and passion um, from from all of the different sources and channel that into the, you know, um, optimum outcome for everyone. Right, that sounds, that's awesome. Thanks. Um, I'm wondering if you can get a little more specific about what it is you do with clients. Like, do you, can you give a general overview of some of the process? Yeah. As, yeah, I would love to hear a little bit how you help them home in on their creative uh, aspects of their projects. Yeah, totally. Um, we are, are sort of looking at what we do as um, insight-based design. So we're really going deep with, with our partners and we're saying, what is an insight that is true for, for you that you guys really want to pursue that's going to be really true for, for your experience? Um, sorry, for your fans' experience. And so in, in a music space, that might be a performer, um, their label, um, you know, and, and their fans. And, and we got to find kind of what's the space that they all can play in and make something amazing. And then what we're doing is we're using technology um, and art as, as levers to, you know, help make this happen. Um, so we'll take on a project and, uh, you know, if, if it's, um, 
kind of long enough to justify, we'll have a very deep research period where we're thinking about the technology that can help this project. We're making a bunch of demos, but then we're also, you know, pouring through uh, images and um, figuring out new ways to kind of have a visual conversation around this, as well as, uh, you know, what's the tech experience. And what are some recent or maybe not so recent, but some really satisfying projects that you think exemplify this approach? Well, um, I really like the work that we do with Spotify. Um, I think, you know, users are starting to see uh, the power of what they're doing as far as like giving data um, back to to consumers. Um, and I think bringing that to, to the artists as well um, has been really, really cool thing for Spotify. And we're honored to get to work with them. Um, We've had a few other music tech companies that we've worked with, whether it's making like DJ apps or, um, and that's that's an app where you can uh, basically learn how to DJ. Anyone who's just starting could, could do that on their cell phone, almost like Instagram. Um, we're working with musical instrument companies. Um, we also have a, a technology division making sound products where we're doing things like reverb amp plugins for studios. So it's, it's a very wide range of things that we're working on. Um, but I'd love to talk a little bit about The Matrix if we have time. Yeah, go for it. It's always fun to talk about The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, with that in mind, um, this was a, a sort of thing that almost seemed faded. You know, when, when we started to talk to our partners at Nifty's and um, Warner Brothers about this project, it, it was almost one of those things that, um, you know, uh, seem like it, it should already exist in the world. Um, and I'll, I'll give more context. Um, we created an avatar challenge for them where it was around taking a blue pill or a red pill. And, you know, it essentially was in pop culture already from the first movie and this whole kind of core idea of the matrix of, you know, what reality do you want to live in? And it, it seems really relevant today. You know, are you going to have an experience where you're in control or are you going to kind of cede that control to computers? Um, so <laughs> just to talk about this a little bit, yeah, go for um, it. yeah, we did a challenge where we created a uh, hundred thousand avatars that people purchased. And then with the avatars that they owned, um, it became an interactive experience online of whether they took a red pill or a blue pill. So this was the first challenge in a series of challenges that we're doing for the matrix, uh, with nifties. And, um, yeah, it's really interesting because from an art perspective, we're then able to think about imaging a character um, in one state versus another. And it's from the you know universe of the matrix. So we have something to base it on, but then there's also this kind of, I guess, exponential component of you know what it can become when you're making a hundred thousand versions. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge pile of homework. Um, how, I mean, how did you, I mean, obviously you have a lot of room and a lot of potential uh, slots to fill with 100,000, but how did you narrow down like what really fit the aesthetic of the universe you were operating in? And you have, you have some confines, as you were saying. Um, how'd you go about finding the right image to really capture that vibe and yet have it different and varied enough to feel like distinct? It's kind of a tough problem to solve. Yeah, and, and you know, so we were we were dealing um, with a doubly tough problem because 
we actually had three different versions of these avatars to make. One that's in this kind of um, training world that you remember from the first Matrix movie where it's like, you know, Neo says, now I know karate or whatever, or sorry, Kung Fu. Kung Fu, of course. <laughs> Some martial art. <laughs> I, like, know, I know. Kung insert Fu. martial art. Because he downloaded the program, right? And, and so you're kind of in that space when you start out in this world. And it's, it's sort of a blank slate for you to choose, you know, red pillar or blue pill. Um, so that's one avatar. And then we had to, you know, think about imaging the avatar in a blue pill state where let's say it was going to stay that the choices you stay as like a worker stuck in the matrix, then that's the blue pill. So we had to make um, people that were in kind of a more boring, um, like they're wearing like Dockers, basically, like, <laughs> like, like Banana Republic, 1990s kind of work clothes. Um, and, and they're in like a rat race job and they're carrying around like a phone or like a briefcase. And and that was this whole sort of aesthetic. So there's there's many things that we're working with there. One, we're, we're you know, creating garments um, like almost as if we were working for a fashion company of what are all these clothes. And we had this, you know, um, PFP program where basically we have to create a modular body type that looks good, you know, really just having uh, uh, an entire range of aesthetics, but within one modular system. So it's almost like this puzzle of, of creating an interoperable uh, NFT program so that we could switch, you know, clothing on them and weapons and other things. And, you know, I, 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 they're not necessarily binary either, forgive me for saying men and women, because there, there was quite a bit of, of crossover as far as different things that could work together. So we're really creating one unified system with an entire range of options um, for uh, character creation. Um, and, and so, uh, there was a lot of weapons that we had to make because these are resistance fighters. Um, there's a whole host of clothes. And once they transition to the, um, red pill, uh, sort of, you know, uh, freedom fighter mode, um, there's like, you know, cool leather jackets, um, all kinds of accessories. Um, our team designed a bunch of tattoos, um, that, that people have on their necks and their arms. And so it was just a ton of fun to mainly base everything on the movies because we had the canon of movies to watch. Um, but then from there to sort of extend it. So it's almost like, you know, hey, these trench coats are famous. Can you make this into a whole line of clothing that all these people will wear, um, but as avatars? That's really cool. Uh, speaking of extension, let's extend this a little bit more to you know music and NFTs writ large. Um, I'm wondering, as someone who's gone through a bunch of projects like this, these you know these massive scale NFT drops, um, what would what do you think are the some of the biggest challenges to creating compelling images for Web three projects? Well, um, so I definitely think that uh, these worlds will merge. And I think that people that are at the cutting edge of music, sort of visual production, um, whether it's live or whether it's album covers or, um, you know, videos or really, really anything are actually incorporating a lot of the same things that I was just talking about in the matrix, you know, so maybe making an avatar, making a virtual world and being able to create a host of content, you know, with that. So I think, I think it's directly analogous 
Um, and, and I think that that crossover is happening right now in the most innovative spaces. Um, Are there so specific think, aesthetic concerns yeah. uh, for NFTs or for some of these like newer formats that you think are important to note? Yeah, I think there's a lot. I think that, you know, there's um, a, an issue where regular consumers are hearing about NFTs, hearing about this whole new world of Web3 and maybe thinking that it's going to be more compelling than it is, whether that's quality or interactivity or interoperability. Um, it's kind of falling short. And so I think that as creators, there is a real challenge to make something that is beautiful, make something that feels like it's it's made to last from a quality standpoint, and then to actually build some story in the future where um, you know it can become more. That's super cool. One way I know that you and your team have approached adding sort of extra dimensions or um, you know adding some some different kinds of aesthetics to big projects is via, you know, sort of layering different technologies. So using generative AI, for example, um, or, and then adding that to a blockchain. Um, And, you know, what are some ways that you think that people can combine some of these, you know, more cutting edge technologies and get them to work together for maximum creative impact? Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's of, of, total interest to us you know and i think that's where a lot of the innovations happen in general is through unique combinations and um you know i think uh when we're talking about this um it's it's an entire creative suite that we can offer to our partners and that's sort of how i think about it not necessarily as one thing that i want to do but as an ever-expanding toolkit for, you know, creating a new aesthetic. And, um, you know, if, if you combine something that is, you know, new generative art that comes from the data of the music, I think that's going to have a look that's unlike something that people have seen. And that's really interesting in its own right. But then when you're able to combine that with something else, like, you know, a character in, in, in Unreal, I think that it becomes really, really interesting. And so I think that's what we'll see over the next few years is the, the most sort of creative um, image makers, maybe they, they won't choose to pick up a camera and they'll, they'll pick up Unreal or their work with a camera will inspire them in the virtual space, you know, because you can do a photo shoot on Mars or fly through the air, um, you know, really, really easily. So I think you're, you're getting to a point where it's really not at all about budgets. And maybe 20 years ago it was that you had to have a million dollars to make a music video. But I genuinely believe that anyone with a computer can make something incredible, you know, basically for no money right now. And so it's, it's totally going to be about the ideas. And I think the last kind of thing that is, is going to come in is compute power and connectivity where the little things that are holding back experiences will go away as far as like bandwidth type things. We've already seen that. Yeah, the the promise of 5G that keeps somewhat eluding us, at least here in the States. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, uh, it's so... This is this is really exciting, and I find this this field like super super interesting. Um, how 
you know, as people use things like generative AI or Unreal, um, what are, I mean, they, they have kind of their own built-in aesthetic, right? Like, how can you push against that? Like, as an image maker is working with all of this and who's been working with technology to make um, beautiful things for quite some time, you know, what? How, how would you recommend people go about pushing the boundaries um, so that we don't get locked into, like, predefined aesthetics, uh, you know, a la, what is that, the corporate flat look of <laughs> some of the design software? Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think it's 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 a cultural thing. I think that you know, um, it was maybe a lot more prevalent when I was younger that that people were sort of anti. I think that social media has built like really reinforced a follow-on mentality where people are doing things not necessarily to be original or to make a creative statement but because that they know other people will like it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, and I think that that has really pervaded a lot of parts of culture, but I don't think it's necessarily changed inherent truth that, you know, like you're saying, if there's some schlock illustration style that is, is everywhere, it's, it's a menace, you know, and it's, it's not making the world a more beautiful place. Um, but, but what I think the real formula is, and, and this has worked for me for a very long time, is to not know what I'm doing at all and to not pretend to know and to come from, from the standpoint of an outsider and to, to say, oh, this is really interesting. I have a ton of passion for this space, but I don't know how to do something. Let's find a new way together. And then I think if, if you're operating that way and, and you're coming at something from a beginner, but then you're working with people who know how to make something as like a, you know, a domain expert, then you can do really interesting things and you're not trapped in this is how we've always done it. Um, because one, that doesn't exist in, in a new tech space. So then the only other thing is to follow trends. And I think it's pretty obvious that where where just following trends leads to, you know, you have a hundred million um, bored ape offshoot projects. <laughs> yeah. and Pix pixelated they're, they're smoking of, animals. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's it's actually making people think that there's a limit to what an NFT could be, you know? Um, and and so, yeah, I think, I think that people need to always push, like, you know, to make a new aesthetic, to make a new kind of way of looking at something or communicating something so that you don't get stuck just sort of following and repeating what you think is a success. I like that you're, you're suggesting kind of a synthesis between the Gen X eye rollers like you and me and uh, our, our Gen Z friends, <laughs> sort of like the, you know, kind of, kind of like the, you know, thesis and, and a, um, you know, antithesis. And we need, we need to sort of like tech aesthetic synthesis between the outsider view and the follow on view in some ways. I don't know. Being yeah, a little silly I here, mean, but <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that any generation is really, um, you know, going the wrong way. And I don't. I don't feel that at all. But I do think that um, you know, I I enjoy being in creative spaces where people are pushing things in a new way and maybe trying to surprise themselves, surprise their audience. Um, with with something that they're interested in doing, you know, and it might not be because it's proven. And I think that's that's a really tough thing, actually, in any 
creative space is to to do something new and i don't i don't say that in the sense of you know like people are holding great things back but it's like to take a risk that you know maybe it will fail like a lot doing something new but then you'll you'll learn a new way instead of just you know being sort of stuck in a pattern and i think that's that's always tough you know with with any creative thing you know people want to see um the end result before it exists hmm exactly they yeah. want to yeah and whereas the true joy is having the weird crazy adventure where you end up where you never you didn't in a place you didn't even know existed so yeah but i think that's where you know maybe uh if if certain things had reached a plateau injections of of new you know maybe technology methods whether it's it's ai or doing things completely um digitally um can can sort of open things up again you know i saw cultural factors like um you know the 2008 uh, financial crisis really limited budgets for, you know, global advertising campaigns. People weren't getting the same amount of money to do, you know, video shoots, photo shoots and fly around the country after that time. And, and that changed things, but in a way that helped bring about the, the CG revolution because you needed to find a new way. Yeah. And uh, the pandemic had a similar effect. I know in in the ad space in particular, people had to come up with all sorts of creative um, editing and often like music sync approaches to take, you know, form you know, video that they'd shot or images that they had and make them feel fresh and relevant um, in a very confusing, you know, context. Um, I'm wondering if you're seeing anything yet emerging from the pandemics, like the green, the, the green shoots kind of coming up after this very difficult period for the world. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's interesting, you know, and, and there's always two sides to something, right? Because it's been a very difficult time. There's been a lot of, um, you know, things that have changed that have not been positive for people where, you know, sometimes it's, it's a very small amount of people that are benefiting um, and a lot of people are hurting. That, that being said, that there are, you know, positive things that, that have happened. And, you know, there's a lot of people I was just at an NFT conference that are sort of talking about what um, NFTs and, and Web3 can mean. And I think that there is a lot of hope, you know, for for that. And I'm not entirely sure that NFTs would have happened if it wouldn't have been for the pandemic, because everyone was kind of at home on their phones and maybe trying to find a new way to not just connect with people artistically, but have a business when, you know, they didn't have another business. And I've heard from multiple, multiple music managers and people who are, you know, doing art with musicians that have said, I had a music artist that I'm working with that all of a sudden wasn't able to tour. And their livelihood went from being, you know, barely making it to not sure if they were going to make it. Then they made an NFT and you know, did some other kind of pandemic things, and they ended up actually making more money. And and I know that that's not everyone, but I think that there are stories like that where you know the the negative shift brings about a positive shift that wouldn't have necessarily come as quickly. 
I think the same thing goes for a lot of virtual experiences, especially, you know, I mean, AR and VR is still kind of in a winter. It seems like a very long winter for poor, <laughs> for poor, poor VR and AR. But um, I, the, the adoption and interest is definitely peaked and people can see how it might fit into their lives, even if we're not, you know, going to totally live as legless torsos in, um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's Berg's world. But um, there's, you know, there's a lot of new interest in those spaces. And one of the most interesting things I saw uh, recently was um, those spaces are, you know, people are talking about how to use um, audio and visual experiences in VR as healing um, modalities. And I don't mean that in some kind of crazy, like, hippie way, but I mean, actually for, uh, psycho you know, psychological sort of clinical trials being done um, to test some of these things out or, or for pain management. Um, so there's some interesting, interesting new frontiers where, like, music and visuals have a really important role to play and contribute to people's lives. Totally. And what's what's I mean, it's kind of funny and interesting. You know, I'm talking to all my music industry friends and people that own smaller labels and stuff. And a lot of what they're making money on is sync. And it's it's sort of interesting to think about, um, you know, once if you just forget about the legalities of all these different things of soundtracking all these new experiences and that these different things that need music are, are sync opportunities, you know, for, for a wide range of things. And, and you can have integrated music experiences, um, you know, for people that are, are um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a, just a, a whole new world. And I, I think I see it um, both in the purely virtual space and in a, a real space that's augmented digitally. And I think that once people really get out of the house post-COVID, you'll see a big return to, to those things. And I think we've had to probably overly focus on the metaverse as a you know virtual-only concept versus as a you know world enhancement or like a digital layer on the world. Yeah, that seems especially with audio being something that you can process while still you know navigating traffic or <laughs> walking down the street. It has a lot of promise, I think, um, as an air layer. So, um, Brian, now is like my favorite part of the podcast, because I get to ask you about some fun sci-fi stuff. So where do you think all this is going? What trends do you see that you're super excited about? What, you know, what do you, you know, read about, hear about experience and go, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Well, for me, um, it's, it's, happy and annoying because I think my my answer is the same as it would have been about seven years ago but I but I do that's the annoying part but I do I'm happy because I really think that it is sort of here um, <laughs> with asterisks and so what I'm excited about is uh, you know real-time interactive um, graphics visuals so something that is is um, like maybe from a game engine like Unreal or from uh, other real-time graphic software that you can play with. I think that is really cool. And as futuristic as all of these NFTs are, they're not that. And, and I think that that's what's coming, and I think that'll be really interesting. So, you know, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you love to see? What you know, what do you imagine? What's your like dream tech for, um, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 100 years from now, um, as an artist and someone who works in tech and with brands, like, what kind of 
things would would you love to see? Um, well, I I personally have a lot of joy in just kind of playing with different things. Um, so you talked a little bit about uh, Artifon earlier. Um, they're someone that we've worked with a little bit, and I've known those guys for a while. Um, you know, playing with their instruments lets me, as a non-musician, get to make music. You know, um, working with uh, generative art and, and computer art makes me be able to, you know, produce art in a different way than, than I would. And so having all these different kind of collaborative opportunities, whether it's with other people or with sort of tools that, that give me a new ability, I think are, are some of the most interesting. So, you know, for, for me, um, what, what I'm the most excited about is having some of these tools out there in the world that, that we might be able to make with, with our studio that, um, could then let other people make something that that surprises them, you know, to, to sort of set something up to happen. That's what I'm the most excited about. And it would go back to, you know, something that is real time and interactive. Um, but I do think that we'll be able to make some things, experiences, tools, et cetera, over the next years um, that people will then do something that's really, really compelling with. And, and that seems super exciting to me to light a little bit of a fire and then have other people add to it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for the conversation today. And yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.